to learn with us. Um, so we decided to do another series on um, shifting from a tzaddok to a more general topic. Um, talk about midos, character development and character traits in Torah tradition. Um, before we jump into it, I should mention that tonight, of course, um, already underway in Eretz Yisrael, is Yom HaZikaron, Tavshim Pei Aleph, uh, to be followed by Yom HaTzmaot, Tavshim Pei Aleph. Uh, Yom HaZikaron, I always say, is the day I feel closest uh, to Israel. I think uh, partially it has to do with my own, uh, my own time as a soldier, and um, I guess that's my, my deepest engagement personally uh, with the state of Israel and with the people of Israel. Um, but also because of what it shows about the fundamental character of, um, of the Jewish people and um, the importance of such a day for recognizing sacrifice and recognizing uh, stories that are really like out of Tanakh. I was talking to one of the Vrit teachers um, in my school, and we were talking about a particularly gut-wrenching story, a soldier that had been wounded um, and... Um, and he was married, and, and he ended up going back. Uh, his wife took him back, but he had sustained tremendous uh, cognitive decline and how uh, eventually uh, they separated. Um, a story like that, that kind of ocean of tragedy, uh, is, I think, the kind of thing that you would almost read, uh, not Lahavdil, that you would read in Tanakh, stories of Jewish people undergoing, uh, their li- undergoing tragedy and living their own lives, uh, while in, the, while in the context of the history of the Jewish people. And I think that uh, with the Shiva Tzion, with the return uh, to the state of his return to Israel and the development of the state in our, in our, in our, in our age, um, that I think almost um, that you could say like a new chapter of Tanakh has been opened up. You have stories of great successes and stories of great tragedies and everything that falls in between. And, um, and it's really instructive for us. Yom uh, HaZikaron, it's important to find yourself, uh, find yourself a video. You don't need to bel- uh, belabor the point of numbers and statistics, but just focus on one tragedy, uh, one, one lost life. And that itself is something that I think could be uh, extremely powerful. So uh, that having been said, um, we're going to talk about mitos. And uh, this is going to be the first of hopefully a, a bunch of shirim. And right now we're going to give a little bit of an overview, a little bit of a precy of, of what we intend to do with this. And I want to, uh, I want to issue a um, disclaimer that uh, it's very easy when talking about Midos uh, to get into a mode of uh, giving Musr to people. I'm in no position uh, to give Musr to people. So if I speak in that fashion, if I speak in that way, I'm really just speaking to myself. Um, and if something that I do say resonates with you, then all the better. Um, but but I don't I don't I certainly don't want to give these classes in any sort of a moralizing posture. Um, so that's that's the big disclaimer for this. So we're going to start large, and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Of course, those that were in Shul on Shabbos when we started Perkeavos, so some of the material here will be already familiar uh, uh, to them. Um, but let's start. So character traits or midos and the rectification thereof are the foundation of all the mitzvos. And although there are other interpretations offered, I want to look at one of the uh, most well-known of rabbinic statements, uh, one, that has, uh, one that is often quoted, misquoted, uh, used and misused, like any, like any uh, important rabbinic statement. Um, but this one, is certainly, this one is certainly at the very uh, top of uh, well-known, you could legitimately say that this idea is famous. I don't like when rabbis say, 
that a particular Rashi or something is famous because um, not everybody may have been exposed to it yet. Um, but this one certainly is. Da'amir of Yishmal bar of Nachman. Esr v'shish adoros chagman derech eretzes ha-Torah. Adol d'chsiv lishmor es derech eitzchayim. Rabbi Yishmal, the son of Rabbi Nachman, said that Derech Eretz precedes Torah by 26 generations, since it is written, and to guard the way to the tree of life. So we say Derech, Zu Derech Eretz, the path to the tree of life. That path is Derech Eretz, the way of the world, and in a more narrow sense, our own way of dealing with the world, our midos, the character traits, the way in which we choose to engage with what the world uh, throws at us and, um, and what we throw at the world. Derech Zu Derech Eretz, so this is understood as the source of the maxim of Derech Eretz Kadma Torah. The Derech Eretz not just chronologically came before Torah, that there were these generations that existed from the creation of the world until the giving of the Torah at Sinai, where there was no formal Matan Torah. And that was the generations of Derech Eretz. And after that comes the Eitz Chaim, after that comes the Torah. And uh, I think not just chronologically uh, is this saying, or this, is this interpreted to say that Derech Eretz preceded, that these 26 generations preceded Matan Torah, but that in a uh, values sense, that, that it, it precedes either, you could interpret this in one of two ways. The less radical way of saying is that it precedes that it comes first that you need that foundation and uh, people will hasten to add that they need to be done at the same time, that you need to, you can't, you can't shirk your responsibility towards Torah while, while you engage in character work. But then there's a more radical way of interpreting it, I think, that says that actually as a value, it is higher than Torah. And I think that there's uh, room to argue that, that on the sulama arachim, on the on ladder of values that a person is meant to acquire for themselves, so the value of Derech Eretz, the value of Midos, of character traits and their refinement, actually takes precedence. Uh, it doesn't just proceed, but it takes precedence and it, uh, and, it, and it stands at a level above. Now, I don't mean to get into the halachic discussions over here. Um, it's a very complicated area of halacha with concepts like Kavod, uh, kavod Abrios, um, that uh, in, what, in, in what context uh, do we make certain leniencies and do we adjust halacha uh, when it comes in con- when it comes in conflict uh, with with midos and how we treat other people, uh, that's something that I that I don't have uh, complete facility over the sources with, but is certainly an area of uh, of halacha to be discussed. But in a very simple way, just the way, just ha- phenomenologically how we embrace the world and how we see the world, uh, this is something that we can say. God bless you. This is something that we can say that derech eretz uh, might even be of a higher value than learning Torah, and, and we'll expand upon this. Now, in Pirkei Avos, uh, and this is in Parakimel Mishnah Yudzayin, so we'll get there in two weeks, but in Pirkei Avos we find this expressed um, in a slightly different way, in the equivocating kind of way, but, but no less profound and no less strongly worded. Rabbi Elizabeth Nazario, Rabbi Elizabeth Nazario says, in ein Torah, ein derech eretz. If there's no Torah, then there's no derech eretz. Im ein derech eretz, ein Torah. And if there's no derech eretz, there's no tree. You can't have one without the other. So this doesn't necessarily place them in, 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 a, in, in a ladder of values like we, like we described above, but it's certainly, I am recording. I'm recording uh, on my phone. Um, I am recording. 
we don't necessarily see this as, as two separate things, but that these are one of a piece, that I can't do the work of character development. I can't work on my midos and work on myself as a Jew without Torah. With the, and certainly we're doing this through Torah sources, but, but it, it, and, and I, can't have, I can't have Torah. My Torah is not going to be Torah if I don't do it with Darach Eretz. If you could imagine me um, you know, giving this shear, maybe, maybe you can, giving the shear and doing so in a brusque and arrogant and uh, a nasty kind of way. And if a question comes up to, uh, to, to, to say, well, that's ridiculous and to knock it out and to be unkind, as, you, as, as, as one teaches this. So then that wouldn't, that wouldn't be Torah. That would be something else, it would be a, a mere intellectual endeavor. But by the same token, um, I can't just simply sit here. We can read many books about character development, but it would not be Torah. So even in a narrow way, but this, even in a narrow way, this is true. But it certainly seems to be saying that the two are intertwined so that no one value, Torah or Derech Eretz, uh, precedes the other. Now, in any event, we find well-attested to tradition that the Medrash that we read above, which comes from Vayikra Rabbah, the 26 generations, that the Medrash above is indeed the source for the concept that refined character trait indeed precedes the Torah as a value. The altar from Slabadka, uh, who is Rav Nassim Finkel, he was a student of the altar of Kelm, one, uh, one, uh, the Rosh Yeshiva of Slabadka Yeshiva. I forgot, uh, I mentioned on Shabbos that... Um, that what I, I think there's a statement that says that pretty much all of Torah nowadays um, can be attributed, one in America and, and in Israel can be attributed in some way, shape, or form to the altar. Uh, the list of the altar students is, uh, is exhaustive of a who's who, veritable who's who, of those people that brought Torah to America and that uh, formed the great yeshivas uh, in Eretz Yisrael. Of course, the altar, uh, when, when they were in Slabatka, uh, branch of the Slabat she was opened in Hebron. Uh, many students there were, of course, tragically fell victim uh, to, the, to the massacre of the Hebron riots in 1929. The altar himself was a person that lived these very teachings, um, a Musarist and a person that epitomized, I think, uh, in the popular way that it's expressed by people who don't really know so much about it, like me, the notion of Gadlus Adam, of the greatness of man that uh, the altar students, the students of uh, the base Musar in Kelm and also Slabat Yeshiva carried themselves with the regal posture uh, that was meant to be assumed by students of Torah. Man Malke Rabbanan, the Gemara says, who are kings, who are the royals. And that's, those are the people who study Torah, the people who teach Torah, the rabbis and the altar embodied this. He didn't write that much, uh, he lived. Uh, in, 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 in this extraordinary manner and in this very influential manner, but many of his uh, teachings and his uh, speeches were included in a volume called Orat Safun uh, that was printed by his Talmud and printed by his students. And, and in there, uh, we find the following statement, which seems to give lie to what I think the more radical interpretation of Derech Eretz Kadma Latora. And he says, V'zui kavanas divrei chazal. This is the intent of the rabbis. Chav Vav Doros Kadma Derech Eretz Torah. 26 generations Derech Eretz came before the Torah. And he writes, Kicholamidos Vatchunos Hatovos Klulos Bederech Eretz, Veim Hutbu Beadami Tivo, Veinu Zakukalein Lamatan Torah. That's a very strong statement. He says, All the good character traits and attributes that, that we could talk about uh, kindness, humility, honesty, um, Everything that we could say that, that makes a good person and leads to a life well-lived, uh, 
So those attributes are subsumed under the category of derech eretz, and they are ingrained in us. They're, they're the birthright of every human being, right? This, I don't want to necessarily jump into a nature versus nurture uh, discussion, but the altar for his part seems to be saying that the very nature of human beings is that they're imbued within us and included in derech eretz and ingrained in human nature, and that, and that for them, there was no need for the giving of the Torah. You did not need Matan Torah in order to create perfect individuals. Now, I think a cursory reading of the Torah seems to be saying that that's indeed true, that people achieved, we have the Avos and Imahos that were able to achieve the level of Nivua without before Matan Torah and live perfect lives and embodied uh, perfect character traits. You know, we associate certain character traits, good character traits, directly with the Avos Imahos, Avraham as the, uh, and Sarah, as, uh, as the avatars of, of chesed, of loving kindness, and achnasas orchim. And the Torah tells us their stories as if to pave the way that these are the people whose character traits become so ingrained in their descendants and, and the people that come from them that they were ready to accept the Torah with these character traits. It's a foundational concept. And he says, So then what's the purpose of Torah? The goal of Torah is to take that person with refined character traits, with, with, with these good mitos, and to allow them and to provide them a way to transcend this world, to provide them for a way to, to, to go beyond simply being a good person, but to become a godly person. And now one of the Sfarim, one of the books that we're going to be relying upon heavily in these shiurim is going to be the Sefer Torah Devora. Um, which is a systematic presentation by Rabbi Moshe Cordovero, one of the most important Kabbalists, uh, who, who uses God's traits, and this is something that we're going to touch upon in the next year, uh, the command to emulate God devolves upon us as a command to attach ourselves to God's ways. And God's ways, as we understand them, are, are epitomized, for example, in the statement, Mahu racham afatarachum. Just as God is compassionate and merciful, so to you should be compassionate and merciful. And that's something that we're going to come back to many times during these classes. But the Torah says, now that you are a good person, now that you've refined your character, it's now that you're ready to accept the Torah, now you could go ahead and you could be, utterly transcend this world. You could reach the level of nivuah. You could reach something that's much higher than this. And those things are actually far higher than derech But without the derech uh, any sort of piety or any sort of spirituality is going to be indeed uh, false and, and lacking. And uh, to be sure, the work, so just to show you, here's uh, some pictures of the altar, and you can see what I mean when I say um, the altar from Slabodka, what's meant when we say Godless Adam, this is the Torah Panim, uh, the Hadras Panim, beautiful face of the altar from Slabodka. This is Mrs. Altar of Slabodka and her husband. And this is the altar Slabatka during a visit, I believe, to Chevron, learning Torah with uh, adorned in tefillin, um, standing, um, regal, uh, and we talk about almost a perfect individual, no such thing, but that was the altar. So the altar, the altar adds to this and says, because this is true, that these natural character traits are ingrained within us and that Torah comes on the foundation of Derech Eretz to allow us to transcend being merely human and to become truly godly. There's not going to be any place in the Torah that you're going to find explicit commands about character. The Torah doesn't explicitly tell us 
Uh, the same way that the Torah would tell us about Trumas and Masros, that is indeed a person, uh, that's something that, that leads uh, to great character traits. That's something that teaches us, that uh, educates a person who keeps Trumas and Masros throughout their life is going to ultimately recognize that the things that they have in this world, that the material possessions are, are, are granted to them by dint of uh, God alone. And the Torah does have an educational process with many of the mitzvahs, but never explicitly would command us on the Midos, the same way we might find in a Musar Sefer, that we might find in, in Pirkei Avos. No, instead, what it does is it commands us on mitzvahs. And that's separate than character traits. That's above character traits. Again, this notion that we are born good, that we are born ready to greet the world with beauty. Every baby is the most innocent, beautiful thing filled with uh, tremendous potential, regardless of family, regardless of, uh, of, of, what fi- of what part of the world they're born into. And then I think that we can agree that regardless of a person's nature, the world acts upon them. And the world can be a tough, cruel place, and it could create tough, cruel people without the proper character traits, especially in a secularized view of the world, which says that, uh, you know, it's dog-eat-dog. And, you know, uh, what was the quote? Hominus lupus lupus, right? Man is wolf to man. And that, uh, and that you need to crush, and you need to, uh, and, that you, and, and that you need to have this will to power this will to power in order to succeed in this world, which is certainly not going to be a character trait that the Torah is going to endorse. And, and yes, these character traits that are imbued with us, uh, I think, are, are, are conferred to us by dint of the Tzelem Elohim, the, the soul that we have, the peace, the Chelek Elokamimal, the peace of God Almighty that was, that was given to us when we were brought into this world. Remember, the Gemara Nida tells us that not only that, but we learned all the Torah that we needed to do uh, already in the womb. And that, uh, you know, when we come into the world, almost there's a sense of now we have to recover it and we have to learn it. It's Chazara, but, but we're, we're able to act upon it with good character traits. And he says, We saw the Adam, it's the foundation of human being. Look at this beautiful language, right? In terms of the perfect person, the Torah tells us how now we can rise and, and, and transcend the, this world. So I think what the altar does here is something quite brilliant. What the altar does is he takes the radical understanding of Derech Eretz Kadma Torah and, and takes it to mean that Derech Eretz actually precedes Torah as a value, that it is, that it is more fundamental than Torah as a value, than Torah before you open up the Gemara, you, or for the Torah to mean anything when you learn it, that it needs to come on good character traits. But by the same token, the author says it's also functioning in a slightly different tchum. While serving as the foundation for learning Torah, the Torah and the mitzvos, the practicable aspects of the mitzvos, are things that confer transcendence that Derech Eretz can never do. It's not enough to just be a good person. It's not enough to just have refined character traits. It's, it's, it's an absolute necessity. But what we're really looking for is transcendence, and we're looking for c- creating a connection between us and the divine, actualizing our tzelem elokim, and that's done through mitzvos and through Torah study uh, as well. And that brings us to, to higher levels. Now, uh, one of the things I want to say is that, to be sure, uh, is so far, is everybody with me so far? Okay. So, to be sure, the personal effort to refine our character traits and our midos is lifelong. And it's applicable at all times. However, there are specific periods of time throughout the Jewish calendar that are especially crucial and auspicious for this kind of work. We immediately think of Elul and Tishrei and the work of Tshuva 
and uh, rectifying that which we may have failed with in the, in the areas of Torah and mitzvot and in our character traits, but rivaling that time frame on the Jewish calendar are the 49 days between Pesach and Shavuos, known as Sfiras HaOmer. And we're encouraged uh, to dedicate these days to the process of Tikkun Hamidos, the rectification of our character, which is not just the pursuit and the domain of the righteous and the saintly, but a bedrock obligation as we've seen for any human being. Although fulfilling the mitzvot is indeed a critical element of divine service, at the core of the human mind and soul lie the midos. And it's specifically these midos that define who you are as a human being and not practical actions. You could do a lot of mitzvot, but that's not going to define who you are. What's going to define who you are is going to be your character traits. It's going to be uh, the strength of your character. And that's how you're going to be judged, unfortunately. It's not good to judge, but that's how the world, that's, that's the way that we project ourselves to the world. And that's the way that we act in the world. And this idea is seen explicitly in the works of the Kabbalists, specifically the Kabbalists of 16th century Tzfat, uh, the Ramak, and then after that, Rav Chaim Vital. Rav Chaim Vital was the foremost student of one of the greatest expositors of, uh, of the, the Kabbalah tradition, Jewish history of the, Arizal, of the Arizal, and uh, who gathered around him a circle in Tzfat in the 16th century. And Rav Chaim Vital writes in a sefer called Shar HaKavanos. Uh, I actually gave my... Uh, volume of Shar Kavanos to Rabbi Sherman. It reminds me of West Institutional Synagogue, so it reminds me I have to get it back from him. Um, but uh, Shar Kavanos uh, is uh, an extraordinary sefer, which is meant to uh, give us the mindset. And in certain areas, it gets uh, deeply technical and deeply Kabbalistic. But what, what kind of things should be going in in our minds when we perform mitzvah? What, what should be our intention when performing mitzvahs? What are we looking to do and to accomplish with mitzvahs beyond simply fulfilling the word of God? Not a simple thing at all. And he writes in Shara Kavanos, talking about Svirus Omer, Tov la'adam l'chavim b'men tes yamim elu. The intent and the focus of a person during these 49 days that we find ourselves in is l'takein kol asher chata b'chol sheva svirut. Is to rectify all of the sins and all the failings connecting to the seven sefirot, expressions of the divine. Uh, now, I was writing this out, and I'll, I'll mention my footnote over here. Uh, we could discuss the challenging and complex concept of sefirot, and it's worthy of its own series. Um, so we're not really going to get into it more than just saying that this is a manifestation, or this is the way klapenu, as we experience the world. God is all one. Uh, God is complete, perfect unity, of course. But the way that we experience the world is through a manifestation of God. Sometimes we feel God's loving embrace. Sometimes we feel the smodocha. We feel the uh, power of, uh, of din, chas v'shalom. Uh, or we might find times of experiencing God's splendor. Uh, all of these, um, and, and I like this from a, a great series on Chabad.org for Rabbi David Dubnov. And he writes, the sefirot are 10 modes or attributes through which God manifests himself. The sefirot are not God, but they are the medium through which specific qualities and attributes can be ascribed to God. The word sfira is related to the word lesaper, which means to express or to communicate. This is how God is expressed to us, and this is how we communicate to God. And this implies that the function of a sfira is to express a certain attribute of God. And you'll see this uh, nice chart that was put together over here uh, that, that by Chabad.org as well, uh, that, that corresponds the spherot. So we start with, well, there's Keser, uh, which, you, uh, which, which is totally inscrutable. But then we have Chachma, Bina, and Das. 
and uh, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And these correspond within us, selflessness, joy, a sense of unification. And it goes all the way to chesed, v'retiferet, chagat, nahi, netzachod, yesod, and finally, malchus, which is, uh, which is synonymous in certain Kabbalistic traditions. Malchus, God, kingship, uh, that's Knesset Yisrael. That's the Shechina, that's the Jewish people. All of these concepts in the Kabbalah are analogous to one another. Uh, lots of webs of ideas. Um, but Sfirot will say, and as I mentioned, if you open up any, pretty much any Sidur, uh, this idea isn't so um, esoteric, really, because if you open any Sidur, you will see under the days uh, of the Sfirot, um, so you'll see that, that it lists a particular midah. I forgot what last night was. We're in the week of Teferis right now. Uh, each week corresponds to one of the seven lower sfirot, and Chagat uh, Nahi and Malchus. And it corresponds to an expression of the divine. And what Rav Chaim Vital is telling us that during each week, our focus should be on rectifying one of those particular traits. So for example, the first week is chesed, right? The first night that we count Svir Omer is chesed shebe chesed, is, uh, and, and, and that would be a good week to focus on the practice and the rectification of kindness and, and uh, chesed that we do with one another. And maybe we could have done more. Uh, I don't think in our community it was possible for more chesed to have been done. Uh, there's always possible. Uh, but Baruch Hashem, the, the outpouring of chesed, uh, I would say that that is one area that uh, Baruch Hashem, our community, um, can, can always improve on, but does not need rectifying by any stretch of the imagination. And Rechaim Vital continues, says, What do I mean by this? In the first week, You should work on fixing that which you have, you should meditate upon that as you count sphere and as you focus on what needs rectifying. Now, perhaps Rechaim Vital was building off of the following statement. Um, and, and by the way, I forgot to mention in the footnote here, I'm going to write this up eventually. Um, my brother Joey uh, presented an amazing, uh, almost uh, psychological uh, framework for understanding uh, the Sfirot and one that brings them from these lofty Kabbalistic ideas into something that's actionable and practicable and, uh, and, and easily understood by, uh, by anybody who's lived life as a human being, uh, you can understand and see these concepts really everywhere you look once you learn about them. Uh, it's a magnificent framework for understanding and engaging in the world. So perhaps Rechaim Vital was taking his statement from, uh, from something that was written in the Zohar. The Zohar writes, Boru, this is in translation from the Sulam. So this is the Hebrew translation. Come and see. Yisrael, so he says that the process that we undergo on an individual level during Sphere of Omer, as manifested through tikkun amidot, through, re- through refining our character and focusing on specific areas of refinement of character, is also something that B'nai Yisrael writ large went through in their process from emerging in the exodus from Mitzrayim, a place that we know, Chazal tell us, was shot of Zima, that was the, a, a, a place of the most depraved character traits, a society that was depraved and, uh, and had terrible character traits, um, certainly one that countenanced infanticide, um, bad enough. And, uh, and this is a process that the Jewish people went through uh, as a nation as well. Boru, come and see. Yisrok Yisrochshivim the Jewish people were, were underneath foreign rule, foreign subjugation from the Egyptians, 
and unfortunately were ensconced in a reality that was completely impure, uh, utterly tame. Uh, you may have heard rabbinic statements, for example, the mentes share tumah, uh, the 49, that we were sunken into the 49 levels of tumah, and that sphira is counting us out step by step, the 49-step process of, of, of working our way out of tumah and bringing ourselves to kedusha to, to the shara hamishim, to the 50th gate. And if we would have sunken into the 50th gate of tumah, there would have been no return, uh, God forbid. Once God took them out, and brought them under the embrace, under the wing of holiness. In the Zohar, this is called Pascha Zuhamasan, that the, not just the sins and not just the impurity of Mitzrayim, but really going all the way back towards the original sin of the eating from the Eitzadas Tovurav, Adam and Chava, the Pascha Meham Zuhamasan, the Beita Sanachash, the bite. Uh, the neshicha sanachash, the bite of the nachash of of the snake, so that stopped, that ceased uh, when the Jewish people accepted the Torah at Har Sinai. So this is a gradual way of working oneself back up into the realm of holiness and bringing oneself up out of the realm of Toma Amra Kadosh Baruch Hu. God Almighty said, "Mikan ve'elach tchilas hachesben letahara." From now, now that you've exited Mitzrayim, now begins the accounting for purity. You're going to count. You should count for yourselves that in order to receive the Torah, we need to have this derech eretz. We, again, not just, uh, not just uh, in the 26 generations that came before Matan Torah, but in the generation that received the Torah, there was a process of rectification, of banishing of tumah, of impurity that needed to occur before we were able to receive the Torah. I'm always fond of the mashal, uh, of the parable, that says that uh, definitely the most, uh, the most common and the most ubiquitous metaphor for Torah is water. Ein mayim Torah. And uh, when you take water, and this is the way that I heard it, you take water, for example, and you put it in this uh, nice glass over here, so it takes the shape of this glass. Now, if I were to put it in a, in a different kind of glass, the water would, would take the form of the glass that it's in. Now, I could be a very beautiful glass, uh, you know, I could be, you know, this uh, gorgeous crystal, Riedel, uh, you know, beautiful wine glass, or I could be something that is muddied and dirty and, uh, and ugly. And uh, the glass, of course, the vessel, that's us and that's our character traits. And the water is the Torah, right? That's where the Torah devolves unto us and, and, and how we accept it. And according to the nature of our glass, according to the nature of our receptacle, the, the vessel that we create, the tselem, and the demus and the tavnis that we create, that's how the Torah, that's how we are going to accept the Torah. So not only is this manifested in the Jewish people, according to the Zohar, when they left Mitzrayim and got themselves ready to receive the Torah, that this was the prereq, that this was what was the work that was needed to be done on a national level, but it was also something that we, it is also something that we need to do nowadays on an individual level as we ready ourselves to prepare to, to prepare to receive the Torah once again. A Shavuos well done, of course, is a complete reenactment of the Matan Torah that our ancestors went through so many generations ago. So that, that I think that Zohar could potentially be seen as the source uh, for, for this notion of using each week of the Sphira to rectify and to fix of, of these 49 days now, just like the 49 days 
of Pesach Mitzrayim. Now, uh, I want to go back to Perkei Avos for a second, and I mentioned on Shabbos that one of the ways in which we do this, uh, one of the minhagim of the Jewish people, the custom is, is to learn Perkei Avos during this time. The Ramah uh, writes in the Shulchan Aruch that this actually goes, the minhag goes until Rosh Hashanah. However, the Avudram and, and, and many other sources said that the original way in which this was done was in the seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos. Now, I mentioned on Shabbos as well, and I'll do this very quickly. I don't want to uh, belabor the point for those that heard it on Shabbos, but I will come back to it, is that... Uh, is that starting from the Shabbos after Pesach, so you, Pirkei Avos really only is five chapters, um, but, uh, but on top of that Mishnah was added a sixth chapter called Kinyan Torah, the acquisition of Torah, that is the final one, and it is written at the outset that that this was taught in the language of the Mishnah. It's not Tanaitic in nature, strictly speaking, like the rest of Pirkei Avos, but, but now we have six chapters, and each one of those, the custom is to learn it in Shul during this time. And uh, Perkei Avos is, I would say, the most explicit rabbinic text. There is another, um, uh, I would say, later, Mesech um, Ketana, uh, called Derech Eretz, and Derech Eretz Zuta, uh, that also uh, deals, and there's Avos Derbi Nasan, which is 41 chapters, which is an expansion of much of the material uh, that's present in the Perkei Avos that we have. Um, but all of these are the most explicit rabbinic texts on refinement of character traits and midos, but we do see etiquette and we do see character traits and we do see midos not only embodied in the stories of the rabbis in the Talmud, but also in their uh, open statements, uh, their didactic statements that they make as well. So in one of the main commentaries, and just to go back to it, in one of the main commentaries on Pirkei Avos, this comes from Rabbeinu Yonah, Rabbeinu Yonah of Gerondi, Spain, of the 13th century Rishon. So he writes the following on the statement of Elizabeth ben Azari that we saw earlier in Perak Gimel, uh, in Perak Gimel, uh, Mishnah Yudzayin, in Perkei Avos. Ein derech eretz, ein Torah. If there's no derech eretz, there is no Torah. Ratzalomar shetzarech tchila letaken es atzma b'midos. What this means to say is first we rectify ourselves when it comes to our character traits. Ubezet tishkon Torah alav. And this is how Torah will now descend to us. How can we accept the Torah with ugly midos? It's going to be like pouring water into an ugly vessel. It's going to ruin and muddy the water. Instead, we accept and we refine our character traits year after year over the course of a long lifetime. Right? We're never quite there. We never quite uh, can get. Hopefully this is continuing work throughout a, good, a well-lived life. She'eno shechanes b'guf she'eno bal midos tovas. Rabbeinu Yonah says for his part, the Torah will, cannot be accepted. It, it is, it is uh, like oil and water. It is constitutionally uh, impossible for a person with terrible character traits to really accept the Torah. And we have rabbinic statements like this also. For example, God says about a person that has arrogance. God says, you know, uh, he, there, there's a me'isa, that there's a disgust that God has with arrogance, says, So this arrogant individual, they think that they're God, right? They think that they're the master of the world. So God says, how could I dwell? How can my presence, how could the Shechina, uh, how could the trait of Malchus be embodied in that kind of an individual? And that seems to be the case also with this statement. So again, although you need one, you can't have one without the other, uh, it certainly seems that Derech Eretz is the more crucial aspect because without Derech Eretz, Torah doesn't get off the ground. But without Torah, Derech Eretz, well, Derech Eretz needs to get off the ground. Now, of course, we, uh, most of the people that I'm speaking to now, already have refined character traits, so, so we could well learn Torah even knowing 
that there are still things that uh, we may uh, need to rectify or may need to, to work on uh, on our own. So to round out this discussion and uh, to bring uh, the year the first class, uh, to a close, and um, I do intend to be a little bit more text-based uh, than previous shirim on this. Uh, short, uh, but I think really important texts that uh, everybody should see uh, and to helpfully be maudeid, to encourage us along in our own uh, personal journeys of character rectification, of refinement, and in building ourselves to be the kind of people that, uh, that God wants to dwell with, that God wants to be shochin with, that can really accept the Torah. So let's go back to Rav Chaim Vital, and this time from a different sefer of his, uh, this one called Share Kedusha. So he writes, Benefesh Hazeh. In this kind of assault, Tuluyos Hamidos HaTovos VeHaraos VeHein Kisev Yisov V'Shorosh LaNefesh HaYonah HaSechlit Asher Batulim Tayag Mitzvah Satora. He says that all of us possess a soul that is comprised of good character traits and bad character traits. Rav Kook, we're going to see in a future shir, says, Ein Midarash Ein Ba'atova Yimah. There's not a single negative character trait. Of course, in, in, in the beautiful poetic and, and uh, provocative, uh, thought-provoking way that Rav Kook can place it, there's no bad trait. There's no negative trait that is completely devoid of any good. That, that the only reason the trait is able to exist is because there's a kernel of good. And maybe the reason that people fall into it is because they may trick themselves or they may tell themselves a story about how they're actually doing good with that character trait. But, but we all have... In our soul, good traits and bad traits. Uh, in, in Chabad philosophy, the Nefesh HaElokis and the Nefesh Bahamas, the animal soul and the divine soul, one pulling above, one being pulled above and one being pulled below. And that creates that tension and trauma uh, and uh, the open, empty spaces within all of our souls. And that, that soul, that is the kisei, that's, a, that's the dwelling place, the chair and the foundation of our connection to the divine and all 613 mitzvahs are dependent upon this. Lefikach. This is a restatement of something that we saw earlier um, from the Alter Slabadka. Right? The Alter Slabadka, just to show you his language, the Alter Slabadka says, There's no need to explicitly command us in the Torah on good character traits and, and good and good midos. So Rechaim Vital says, Good character traits and refined character are not going to be explicitly part of the Tariyag Mitzvahs. They are profound entryways. They're, they're profound gates and foundation stones towards being Makayim, hopefully, all of the 613 Mitzvot. And understanding that all of the Mitzvahs, whether I do them or not, is going to rest upon my own character. And that, that, might, that might be in areas as simple as, as, uh, as am I lazy or am I an alacritous person? Am I, am I somebody that's arrogant or am I somebody that has humility, uh, which could be, you know, express itself in keeping, um, you know, mitzvot that don't necessarily make sense to us, practicing humility and to keep that and to keep ourselves in check and our own seichel and our own arrogance. So all of these, the kiyum or the bittel, the fulfillment or the nullification of these mitzvot is going to be contained in these character traits. So that is, uh, that is Rechaim Vital rounding out our, our discussion. So one last thing that I want to get to. So as we're going to see in our next year, the Torah does not explicitly command us towards proper character traits. And the allusion to this foundational con- concept, however, is found throughout the Torah, everywhere in the Torah, and within every single commandment itself, from the rational commandments to the purely ritual ones. The framework for this is going to be contained in the explicit command for us to follow in the ways of God. We just touched upon this. The, the 
the mitzvah of dveikus, of connecting to God, and following God's ways. Um, and this is termed, and because I'm a good modern Orthodox rabbi, I have to put this uh, Latin phrase in any shir, uh, imitatio dei, to imitate God. And Alan, like you said in the comments, uh, imitating and approximating godliness in our own selves, an idea that I think is generated directly for another Latin term, imagio dei which is the Tselem Elohim, the image of God that each and every human being is created with. Before that, and again, rounding this off with Sphira, we have to touch upon the final tragic element of why the study of Midos is so crucial during this time of year. It's in response to the question of what does it look like when religious people, Torah scholars even, great Torah scholars, ignore this kind of work. And let's take a look at the Gemara, this is the Gemara in Yevamos, and it says the following. What are we mourning during this period of time? It's not just the time of preparing to receive the Torah, but it's also a time of mourning. And that's because of Shnei Masar Elef Zugein Talmidim, Hayulo Rabbi Akiva, Migavat Adan Tripas, Vekula Meitu Beperak Echad. Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 pairs of students, students of Rabbi Akiva. And they all died of a plague during one time period, the Gemara proceeds to say this is our time period, the time of Sfira. They didn't treat each other with proper respect. They were not kind. They didn't practice good midos with one another. And because they neglected this character work, because they therefore neglected each other and treated each other so badly that uh, this terrible magaifa, this terrible plague, uh, came down to the world, and that's what we mourn during the time of Sphira. So we would do well to not just think about rectifying our own character traits, but about rectifying uh, this terrible sin, this terrible tragedy, and, um, and hopefully our learning will bring us uh, one step closer to a time when Sphira Saomer is no longer going to be a time of mourning, and that uh, we'll be able to realize uh, once again a time of Pascha Zuha Masam, that all the, all the poison, all the things that may drag us down in this world uh, on a personal and on a national and on a, uh, on a world level, uh, that those things should be rectified as well. Hopefully, uh, with that work, uh, we'll certainly hasten the advent of that time. So I want to thank everybody 